You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Forget about Mackie. Speculation. It is a bonus scoop time. That means some reckless speculation and some very founded uh, uh, news scoops. Nuggets of information from our guy Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, Scoops Podcast Fame. Zolga, Declan Goff along for the, the ride. Uh Dukes, what what scoop uh episode are we at now? We are currently at episode four hundred and ten. In fact, I will record a new scoop podcast, episode four hundred and ten later today. Some updated notes plus conversations, lengthy conversations with former Gophers linebacker Mariano Sori Marin, okay. former Gophers cornerback. Terrell Smith, both guys pursuing NFL careers, plus a wide receiver from Indianapolis that just committed to the Gopher football program by the name of Corey Smith, plus maybe another conversation or two. So look for that episode, maybe by the time Tuesday ends or first thing Wednesday morning. Outstanding stuff. All right, let's start on this um, bonus scoop session with a report that uh, I believe came out on a Star Tribune-related podcast, if I'm not mistaken, our friend and former Score North colleague, Andrew Kramer. Um, I don't think this turned up in writing, uh, but it did. Uh, Kramer talked about the fact that, according to his sources, Kirk Cousins, actually one of the alternatives the Cousins camp gave to the Vikings was that Kirk Cousins would take less on a multi-year contract than Daniel Jones, who, of course, recently was just re-signed to a very rich uh, extension by the New York Giants. What can you tell us about that and and about the fact that the Vikings, it sounds like from what Andrew said, said thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, I mean, via the aggregators, that Andrew Kramer note got buried somewhat. It was some stuff that Ben Gessling had said about some guarantees, what the Cousins camp was pursuing. There certainly is some truth to what was said on that podcast. Not entirely sure everything is completely accurate, but on the Kramer note, yes, my understanding, Judd, is that is spot on, that Cousins was not seeking Daniel Jones-esque money or even exceeding the Daniel Jones money. So what does that say about what the Vikings are thinking long-term? If Cousins, now it's not like he was, you know, interested in some sort of like, Big discount, right? We're not talking about Cousins taking a significant pay cut, but he was willing to come back on an extension at about the number he's making now, maybe even slightly less. And the Vikings said, no thanks. Now, it doesn't mean that they couldn't re-engage this time next year, but certainly all the signs point to, Judd, what you wrote about for one of your side gigs. Was it Vikings Wire? That Vikings Wire. Lacey Adolfo Mensa, Kevin O'Connell were brought in to find a long-term solution at the quarterback position. The question is, does that come in April with the draft? Does that come maybe sometime after April? Or does it come in 2024? 
more than likely the draft, but maybe it's a trade or some sort of free agent signing, but that those two were hired to solve the long-term position at quarterback, which entails Kirk Cousins at, you know, 36 years old right after the year or fast approaching 36 years old, that you're not going to commit to him for his ages 36, 37 type season. So, yeah, I mean, what Kramer said, Judd, my understanding is, is pretty darn spot on. This sort of also, uh, Dukes, then cements what you reported a while back, which is when um, Cousins was making a public appearance at Spire. And I think, the to quote you, I think the word that you used was an uneasiness. Um, this you know, it, It's interesting what we're finding out now has transpired because it's very clear, despite the fact that um, O'Connell and Quasi came in in 2022 and gave Kirk an extension and a vote of confidence, and that nobody's saying the job is not his in 23, that there does seem to be a definite plan that if you are the Cousins camp, for the first time since you arrived here in 2018, you're like, the tea leaves are sort of saying we're done here after 2023. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that that Spire Credit Union gathering was at Grace Church in Eden Prairie. If anybody listening has ever been to Grace Church, it is enormous. It seats thousands of people. So there were a couple thousand people, maybe even closer to three or even 4,000 people in attendance. My colleague, Joe Schmidt, who knows the head of Spire Credit Union, was tasked with doing a Q&A, but it was well beyond Joe, people telling me that Kirk came off, well, he came off as self-deprecating, right? I mean, he was poking fun at himself. Good dude in that regard, talking about his family life, but when it came to the business of football, his Vikings future, yeah, I mean, that was it. It was uncertainty, unsettledness. And so now, you know, a month or so later, three weeks later from that speech, we're starting to read more and more tea leaves. We're starting to gather more and more information. So now the question, Judd, is who is that quarterback? Who is that next quarterback? Because that next quarterback is coming at some point here in the relatively near future. Yeah, Dukes, and I saw KOC was speaking, obviously, at the you know league meetings today down in Florida and, and kind of was saying that, you know, he's excited that Kirk's back again for the offseason and the goal for 2023 is to, you know, maximize him and him to have the best year possible. But clearly very uh, politician-like talk there from Kevin O'Connell saying not one way or the other if he wants to extend him, if he is admitting that this is the contract year and we're going to say goodbye. He's kind of letting it all play out. But I, But back to your tea leaves point, it kind of certainly does seem like they are ready to move on with them beyond after, uh, or be ready to move on from them after 2023. Yeah, and you're right about KOC at the at the owners' meetings. I mean, he's as political as it gets, right? I mean, he has mastered the art of just right down the middle, not really answering your question, but talking for 60 to 90 seconds, sometimes beyond that. Good speaker. But really not answering the direct question about Kirk Cousins' future. It was all about, hey, I hope that Kirk has a brilliant 23 season. I hope we build on the success we had in 22. It would have been very easy for Kevin O'Connell to say, hey, I hope Kirk and I are working together for Mm -hmm. many years to come. (laughs) He did not say that in his lengthy answer. So that tells us all we need to know. Just it's a matter of, okay, when is that next quarterback coming in? The only reason I leave a little bit of wiggle room is, is it possible? Now, all the metrics suggest no. But is it possible that 23 is somehow better than 22, that it's such a good year that at that point you really have no choice but to commit to Kirk for 24, 25, maybe even beyond 
you know, the next couple of years. I don't think that's the path that this is going down, right. but I'd like to give myself maybe 2% of wiggle room just in case. I don't want to make a 100% declaration that this is it. Kirk Cousins will not be a Viking. No way, no how in 2024. I still want to see how 23 plays out, but make no mistake, some young quarterback is coming in. Yeah, and I, I agree with your point completely there that they would give at least, you know, the potential option. But, you know, in Kirk's case, if he just kills it in 23, Dukes, um, and he hits the market, you know, at that point in time, he might just say, hey, I can get one more payday that's going to exceed what the Vikings will pay. The other question I've got for, for you is this. On the possibility, you know, and we're hearing more just sort of, I don't know, steam's not the right word, static? That that this team has been, you know, sniffing around Will Levis of Kentucky, that they like him, that, you know, and he's definitely, it feels like right now, the fourth of the, the four QBs since Anthony Richardson had the great combine. Um, the more I think about this, I the one thing is, because they do appear like they are wedded to Kirk through 2023, would you look at that as a potential of, you know, Will is going to be good, but he's not there yet. And so we can sort of get, you know, it's going to burn a year of his contract, not ideal, but we're going to get that one year to coach him up because I think it's really overrated of, well, is Kirk going to help him? That's not the important thing. The important thing is can the coaching staff help him and develop him? So I wonder if in some ways that would be their ideal plan, which would be to be able to get in a position to draft Levis, never plays it down in 2023, Kirk plays, but meanwhile they sort of incubate behind the scenes and get him to a place where they're comfortable starting him on opening day 2024, and now you've got four years of a rookie contract left. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't dismiss that possibility, Judd. A couple things off what you just said. So let me hammer home that Kirk, through his representation, made it very clear he wants to finish his career a Viking. So that just goes back to and was willing to play, you know, the opposite of hardball, right? Yeah. So he was willing to be, you know, a very reasonable partner. And the Vikings have now declined. On Levis, how high do you need to go? Now, I will tell you now, it's tricky season, right? There are smoke screens galore. Yeah. But somebody I kind of trust has led me to believe, or at least told me to dig deeper, that don't be so convinced on the O'Connell love of Levis. But I've had a couple other people going back, Judd, heck, many weeks, then it started to pick up steam elsewhere, telling me, yeah, I mean, Kevin is really intrigued by Will Levis. But I still wonder how high do you need to get? Yep. Do you need to get up to seven, or does he fall beyond seven? So you're giving up 23. You're giving up your 24 first-round pick. Are you giving up even more than dismissing it? I'm really not, Judd, but I'm just trying to figure out how high do you need to go? What exactly do you need to give up? Very fair. Uh, before we, we go on to the Red Hot Timberwolves, Viking scoops uh, that we have not hit on yet, what else do you have? Well, so Irv Smith Jr. comes off the board last night. The Vikings never had interest in retaining his services. And we saw that early in free agency when you add Josh Oliver. Soon thereafter, you re-sign Ben Ellefson. Johnny Munt is still here. And, of course, TJ Hawkinson. But there was never any traction on, on the Vikings looking to retain Irv Smith Jr. But 
does well to go connect with Chase, Burrow, that offense in Cincinnati. I can tell you, though, to add to that storyline from Monday night, that the Miami Dolphins were also in the mix for Irv Smith Jr. Now, I'm not sure he had much beyond those two options in the end. Certainly some other teams kicked the tires, but nice to have at least a couple options for Irv. But just know this, the Vikings never had interest in retaining Irv Smith Jr. All right. On the Wolves, um, if Tim Conley gets a demerit, uh, which he certainly did for quite a while, at least on the Gobert trade, how much praise does he he now deserve for the Mike Conley trade? Because this now appears to be a completely different, mature basketball team that plays hard and plays defense and compared to two months ago is damn near unrecognizable in a good way. Mike Conley Jr. is a stud. He really is. I mean, any which way you want to look at the metrics, you know, when he's on the floor, five-man lineups, when he's on the floor, the three-man combination, Conley Jr., Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert, the two-man synergy, Conley Jr. with Gobert. How about Gobert just being a completely different player Mm -hmm. since the trade deadline? I mean, it's pretty clear him and D'Angelo Russell just couldn't truly coexist. Conley Jr. does so many subtle things, but now he's doing a lot of noticeable things. He just needs to stay healthy. But Mike Conley Jr., big-time difference maker. What about Nikhil Alexander-Walker being part of that trade? The shooting maybe has dipped, right? I mean, he was so hot early on. But, like, think about that effort play he made. Was it in the Golden State game? All these games blend together, right? But it was the Golden State game on Sunday where the ball almost went across the half-court line. He makes that effort play, shoves it to Kyle Anderson. Anderson hits the long three off the glass. Yeah, it happened in the middle of the game, so you don't remember it as much, right? But – That game came down to the final couple minutes. You think about the difference those three points made, right? Nikhil Alexander-Walker being a plus defender. It is beautiful that the Wolves so often, with Conley Jr. now, can have five legit defenders on the floor, right? And so, yeah, I mean, he's been been a godsend in many ways. Now, hey, the Lakers are very happy to have D'Angelo Russell. Now they've been upset that he hasn't been able to play in every game. You know, it's understandable, right? I mean, if he could play, he would. Trust me. So, I mean, it's a legit injury, but he's missed a few games. But how much fun is Friday going to be? Lakers at Wolves, the return of D'Angelo Russell. But, yeah, I mean, this run the Wolves are on. Think about where they were four games ago. We were having the conversation as they were two games under 500. Judd, we were having the conversation. Maybe not necessarily us. I always thought minimum they'd be in the play-in. But other people were having the conversation. Heck. Could they fall as low as 11? Like, could they miss the play-in? So think about how timely this four-game winning streak has been, where they are now in sixth. They have control of the tiebreaker over the Warriors. Now, the Warriors and Wolves split the season series 2-2, so the second tiebreaker is Western Conference record. The Wolves are in a position right now to finish ahead of Golden State Western Conference record This is also me, maybe dangerously, considering how the Wolves have played against some bad teams this year. But the Wolves do have Portland plus the Spurs left on their schedule. Now they do have the Suns, the Lakers, the Pelicans, right? So they could lose all three of those games, right? So depending on what Golden State does. But there is a chance the Wolves avoid the play-in. That's how key Sunday night was. If you lose Sunday night to the Warriors, I'm telling you, Judd, you would have been pretty much locked in, even with at that point, seven games to go, 
you pretty much would have been locked into the play-in just based on tiebreakers. Well, now you have a chance to legitimately finish ahead of Golden State, avoid the play-in. Can you imagine that path? That would be, to me, as desirable a path as there is. Finish in sixth, open up against the Sacramento Kings. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think the Wolves could win that seven-game playoff series. Then move on to play the winner of Memphis against maybe Golden State, but maybe the Lakers, maybe the Pelicans. I guess I don't know who that seven seed will be. And, hey, if Golden State beats Memphis, not sure you want Golden State in the second round, especially if Andrew Wiggins comes back for the playoffs. I haven't heard yet that he's completely gone for the season as he's battling some personal stuff, but certainly gone here for the duration of the regular season. But if Wiggins comes back, that would help Golden State a bunch. But I'm just saying, like, if you could avoid Nuggets, Suns, Clippers, that side of the Western Conference bracket, we can at least start to drift ahead a little bit. Think about the possibility of the Wolves playing May basketball. How much fun would that be? So it's been, you know, a roller coaster of a season, right? I mean, for a long time, I thought they would finish exactly 500. But at this point, at 39 and 37, heck, you beat Portland, you beat San Antonio. That gets you to 41. So at least find a way to win one more game, whether that's the Pelicans at home, the Lakers at home, so you can at least finish over 500. But to me, if you can get to 42 and 40, now I haven't looked at Golden State's schedule deep, haven't gone far down that rabbit hole, but like I think 42 and 40 can get you based on tiebreakers out of that seven seed. So that to me is the key the rest of the way. But yeah, it's been fun. And they're as healthy as they've been, Judd, since early November. Right, I mean, that's when Jordan McLaughlin went down, Tori and Prince went down soon thereafter, Carl Anthony Towns went down in late November. But now that you have all those guys back, how about my guy Jalen Noel? Last night doesn't even play on Sunday. Now, they listed him yesterday as questionable. That knee has been bothering him, and it legitimately did bother him yesterday. But he fought through with no Tori and Prince. He was down with an illness. How about Jalen Noel filling in admirably? And I think even going back to that New York game, which started the four-game winning streak, I thought Noel was really good in that game as well. So when they have all these guys, you know, Prince is going to be back here pretty quick, maybe as soon as tomorrow night, depending on how much this illness beats him up in the next 24 hours. Carl Anthony Towns will be back for that Phoenix game. That was, you know, that was one of those deals after you miss 50-something games, right? I mean, it's hard to play back-to-backs. You don't need to worry about back-to-backs in the playoffs. So. The Wolves are being very cautious there, which I understand. I don't have a problem with that, with Towns coming off that lengthy layoff. But now that you have your full collection of guys, heck, the Western Conference is pretty darn wide open. I still wouldn't want to play Phoenix, a healthy Phoenix team in the playoffs. But I still think the Western Conference is is sitting there for some team to make a run to at least the conference finals. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation.
Duke's looking uh, down in Fort Myers with the Twins now leaving uh, spring training, heading back up here, or heading at least uh, to start the regular season here shortly. I saw another bullpen name they released uh, this afternoon. John Heyman had a report blanking on the name at the top, but they've lost now, what, a couple of options, I believe, in the back end of that pen, whether they're to waiver claims or just outright releases for player causes. Do is, is their bullpen pretty much set here? Is there one last-minute waiver claim? Is there something other that could be added before opening day hits in about 48 hours? What's kind of their final roster? Or is most all of it kind of now cemented in pen by the time they have first pitch in a couple days? Yeah, so the name you're thinking of, I actually had an at tweet over the weekend. I had heard that Jeff Hoffman was likely to exercise his March 28th opt-out date. So today being March 28th, he did indeed. Right, He wasn't going to make the opening day roster. So Jeff Hoffman had the opt-out. He had that hammer. He asked for his release. The Twins had to grant his release. Danny Coulomb, softer throwing lefty. So we can debate whether they needed another soft throwing lefty in the pen, but he looked good. Depending on what sort of stock you put into March numbers, like I remember Luke Hughes many years ago, (laughs) right? So we don't need to fall into that trap, but depending what stock you put into March numbers, Danny Coulomb was really good here in the month of March. So in his contract, it was this assignment clause that once he didn't make the Twins 26-man roster, he had to clear waivers. Now, it turns out there was a trade with Baltimore. The Twins end up with cash considerations, which may end up being nothing. But yeah, Danny Coulomb is now a Baltimore Oriole. I wouldn't necessarily rule out Declan. Let me see who hits the waiver wire, but there's been some names already the last 24 hours. And my understanding is nothing really hopping with the Twins. So I guess at this point, signs do point to Cole Sands being the long reliever. Cole Sands getting that last spot in the bullpen. And that's a role they did not have consistently last year, correct? Like like they did not really have a guy um, who, who when they had to take a pitcher out earlier than usual, that's not a joke, I'm being serious, um, that, 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 they had a, that they had a guy like Sands who can come in and, th- I don't know, throw four or five. Um, which is interesting. How much are what? What have you also heard about the uh, timetable, Doogie, on uh, Polanco to return and then Buxton to actually transition from playing DH to center field? Well, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Michael A. Taylor plays more games in center field this year than Byron Buxton. I don't have a definitive date on his first game out there in center. We know initially here, starting on Thursday, Byron Buxton will be the Twins' designated hitter on Jorge Polanco. He'll hit in front of trainers today. He'll stay in Fort Myers. He hasn't faced live pitching. Now, two weeks ago, recently is two weeks ago, it was trending in the right direction, Judd, for him to be in Kansas City on Thursday in the lineup. But without facing the live pitching, the tendonitis still troublesome. Like, and that's my concern, Judd, right? I mean, this now goes back seven months. Right. And surgery, I'm told, is not an option now. It wasn't an option in September. But if the knee is going to be troublesome for a bit here, like how much does that screw things up? How much does it screw things up for Jorge, who has a trigger in his contract if he reaches 550 plate appearances this year? It's an option that vests for 2024 at $10.5 million. And I'm not Hmm. sure Jorge Polanco in the open market could approach $10.5 million. So I think he wants that option to trigger. So he wants to get to 550 plate appearances this year. But if that knee is going to continue to be an issue, I don't know how he gets to 
550 flight appearances. So I am definitely worried. But on the short term, he'll hit in front of trainers. In fact, it might be happening as we speak. So hopefully I'll have some more information at some later point here, maybe as soon as when I join you on Thursday or when I record Scoop Podcast episode 410, or maybe it's soon thereafter. But sometime here in the relatively near future, I'll have an update on how today's session in front of the trainers went. And if it went okay, stay in Fort Myers for a few extra days, hopefully be back in the Twins lineup. You know, I don't know if it's April 9th, April 12th, but at some point here in the in the not-so-distant future. Kyle Farmer at second base on Thursday then? Well, it could be Nick Gordon. I don't have the opening day lineup yet. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Farmer, Nick Gordon. I mean, one of those two, I anticipate Trevor Larnick in left field, I'll tell you that much, with yeah. Joey Gallo at first base. I don't know yet for sure who's at second base. I lean, I said on TV when I was doing TV on Friday that I lean Kyle Farmer, but I'm not necessarily ruling out Nick Gordon. Speaking of concerns, um, my my biggest concern from actually a career standpoint, forget about 2023, Alex Kirloff. So he's still having pain, it sounds like. Um, he, he, you know, what has been affected by this by this wrist problem for a couple of years now. He actually had the bone shaved. It sounds like it's a pain threshold thing. And just to be very clear, I'm not blaming him, uh, but this is a kid who was a, a basically a protege. Like he was brought up to be a hitter. And it sounds like he goes in the cage and tries to hit and it just still hurts. What it, what do you sense the concern is about his career? Uh, because like, it's one thing to say, suck it up and play. It's another to do that. So where do we stand with, with him? Because I think if he was healthy, he could be a hell of a player. But if it's not going to come around at some point in time, uh, it seems like it's going to be a career-long problem. Yeah, I mean, I'm just reading about this surgery going back to August. So an owner, Ona, not er, I don't want to add an R there, Ona shortening, they took out four millimeters off his bone, cleaned up scar tissue. We just don't hear. This type of surgery very often. And because of that, sure, I get the concern. He's young enough. I have hope. This is not based on intel. I just, I have hope that at his young age, he can fight through it enough, contribute to the Twins at some point. But yes, I think if you had asked me in January or December, I would have said, okay, like he's swinging then. Right. And so it's trending in the right direction. We have so much time until we get to March 30th that he'll be okay for March 30th. So the fact that he's not ready now on March 30th, Judd, definitely concerns me. I'll say that much. It absolutely concerns me. But such a rare surgery, right? And when you shave that many millimeters off, I just, I don't know, Judd. Yeah, I really don't. It's so unfortunate because that swing is a swing of beauty. I mean, that That's, swing is yeah. beautiful. It's yes. one of my favorite swings, really. I mean, I like Max Kepler's swing. There's a lot of swings I like. Brooks Lee has a rock-solid swing. But I just I love that Kirloff swing. I want to see it back in the lineup. But I get the, I get the cause for concern. Final scoops before we let you go. What else you got? Well, so happy. It's another payment day. Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez, another 20% payment to Glenn oh, Taylor probably. for ownership of the Wolves and Link. So when I spoke with Glenn recently... He led me to believe directly from Mark, directly from Alex, that today's payment date is not an issue. Yep. So this is another 20%. Remember, this date was pushed back from December. 
So Mark and Alex needed more time. Glenn granted them more time. So this is that second 20% payment. The final 20% payment is due this December. But Mark and Alex, if they want to, can push back the date again to next March. So the process continues. Now Mark and Alex have brought on multiple investors. So when you bring on these investors, including a former Cargill executive, the belief is this thing will eventually get across the finish line. But I'll continue to say it's been a very, very interesting process. Jamison Battle, the former gopher, will have an in-home visit today with the Indiana Hoosiers inside the hall in Indiana-based media outlet. First to report that, I did mention last week, Indiana, one of the schools, Mm -hmm. interested in battle. How bad of a loss would that be, though, that Ben, others with the Gophers thought, hey, Jamison wants to start his pro career, but there's good NIL money to be made. He still has another year of eligibility. Could you imagine how the optics would look on that if you lose Jamison battle to another Big Ten school? Oh. But this is the, as but far this as is I the know, problem. It is a problem. As far as I know, by the way, because I checked, yeah. Indiana right now is the only in-home visit scheduled with Jamison. Now, I don't know how later today that visit will go. Maybe it goes sideways, right? But I'll tell you what, the fact that Indiana will be in town to visit with Jamison, oof. Huh. And Talon Cooper, go for starting point guard. Now, we can debate what sort of impact he had. He had his ups and downs, plenty of downs, but I still think they will miss him. So I also was led to believe, going back a bit, he too would be pursuing a pro career, you know, probably overseas. Well, guess what? He has another year of eligibility. I'm hearing Judd. He's not landing at another Big Ten school, thankfully, but he will land at a Power 5 school. So you're losing him as well to another school. Oh, now, hey, it's the portal, right? Like the Gophers hosted this Pepperdine kid. Mitchell Jr., a few days ago, there's a Charleston Southern guard that has said he plans on visiting the Gophers soon. So they are working the portal. But I'm just saying, can you imagine those optics? More so on Battle, not necessarily Cooper, right? right? Especially if Battle ends up in Indiana. Oh, oh. So yeah, so, you know, I don't know what the solution is, Judd, outside of somebody cutting a big fat check like the guy Money. in Miami. Money, money, money. Right? And it helps that Miami's a private school and all that. But, yeah. like, NIL money, right? I mean, you can make more money. Heck, talk to Daryl Thompson about his son, Race, right? I mean, you know, and it's not like Race, you know, broke the bank at Indiana. But you're making more money at Indiana than you are at Minnesota. In fact, you might be able to make more money at Indiana than you would over in Turkey or somewhere overseas. All right, sir. We'll talk to you Thursday. Thanks, Darren. Okay, see you boys. Bye-bye.